This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Emily Thompson from Wellington, Florida. And you are listening to a special jumping edition of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for September 6th, episode 1513, brought to you today by S Equestrian and Walsh Products. Good morning, Horse World. Oh my God. Yeah. It's Tuesday. It's top class show jumping uh, at the very best. Every horse is different, and you've got to be able to understand and read each different horse. Remember, we're looking for those clears in this round to go forward to the jump off. You can't ask for anything more. It's just pure theatre. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on Horses in the Morning. Emily is back, and she's here the first Tuesday of every month. Now, it is the first Tuesday of the month. However, you're not really here. We had to pre-record this (laughs) because you're going to school. I know. I feel so scandalous. It's not really happening. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not Tuesday. You're usually here live, so it's kind of weird (laughs) for you to actually record it ahead of time. I know. I know. But Mondays are good, you know, horseman's holiday. And you are not here because you're in Germany right now? Almost. Almost. Yes. Well, actually, yes. Uh, At airtime, I will be. I'm I'm leaving uh, any moment here in the next 24, 48 hours uh, to start my trek. But I'm very excited. I tried to go. I mean, we've talked about this before. I try to go like once a year um, to shop for people with clients. I've got a great relationship there at Stahl Remsbrock, which is in the Oldenburg region. And I try to you know, build build that at least for the sales. But personally, I go um, to attend school. I'm going back to school. Uh, you have math, English. I know. Uh, I yeah. No, no. no. no that's no. a nightmare. I will Different never kind of that. school. Okay. You'll never get me there. No, I'll quit. <laughs> <laughs> but this Emily is... was not the best high school student or no, student of any you know kind me, in down the world. To the wire. <laughs> I, I wait until it has to be done. So yeah, I try to go for. There's actually the, the through the FN, which is the German Federation. You have to go through the different levels of certification. Uh, Meredith Michaels Beerbaum went. You know people that are born in Germany, they go through the the uh, accreditation program. And it is, you, I mean, literally, like, you have a license. Like, right now, having gone for a few years, I have a license to ride and train up to a certain level. I actually have a license. And, yes, you need a license to lunge a horse. I can lunge. Oh, really? Uh, which is, <laughs> I mean, like, in America, it's, like, outrageous, right? People, like, tie a plastic bag to the end <laughs> of a lunge line and chase them around but but yeah no over there you do actually need to have a license and i'm certified uh certified lunger (laughs) yes which is silly i mean you know by american sort of viewpoint but yes uh you do and 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 it should be honestly i mean it should be regulated like more horses break down in the lunging pad honestly probably than the arena it's 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 more people get hurt too 
Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it should be taken seriously. So, but for me, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm certified through the FN up to a certain level. And this year is very exciting for me because this will be my final year of certification. Um, so I'll be top level rider, trainer. Uh, the lunging's already been done. But uh, as far as riding and training, and when you uh, register, you have to register for your experience level depending on your discipline. So for me, I register Grand Prix level uh, show jumping, but you have to test out one level below in the other discipline which is dressage so, so what I, level is that <laughs> it's um fourth what yeah <laughs> it's really sad i have not practiced you know me uh <laughs> you don't even like watching dressage how are you ever going to ride a test I know. Well, it takes two weeks. Okay. So you go there. I mean, that's all I do. You show up in the morning. If, uh, as a jumping rider, um, I go there in the morning, you know, I ride my bike to school. It's in the Oldenburg region, which if anyone's been there, it's farm country. We're about 45 minutes North of Warrendorf, which is the Olympic uh, training facility there in Germany. And, uh, I mean, it is farm country, cornfields, the whole nine. And, uh, so I ride my bike to school in the morning and first we have theory in the classroom. We have textbooks, uh, leave it to the Germans. I mean, I have a catalog of textbooks that I've, they are in English, right? (laughs) I know (laughs) they're in English. Then then that's why otherwise you're stuck with just the pictures. Emily. I know, (laughs) I know. No, it is. It's like that. And they do have a lot of pictures. They're very particular, you know, about how big the windows should be in the stalls and everything, whatever. Um, but it's, uh, my first class is theory. So we have the textbooks, we go through everything, you know, horse management like this with the wrapping and the, you know, stall cleaning. I mean, everything. And then I have my uh, jumping lesson in the morning. You have school horses and most of the school horses that are owned by the state are past Olympians. Like it's cool. You know, they're like a hundred years old practically, but they've been somebody at some stage. Uh, So you get to ride these top horses. So I do my jumping lesson and then we break for lunch we have theory, so we go through back through the textbooks again, going through different things, hooking up the trailer, you know, how to set the jumps, all of these different things, which at the end game is pretty high level, you know, information. And then um, we do the dressage. So some people, you get the same school horse for jumping and dressage. Yeah, kind of like a lot of the times I end up with two different ones. I have one that I that I do two weeks for the jumping and then one two weeks for the dressage. But you practice, thank God for me, like for the, the jumping is okay, it's fine. But the dressage, I mean, I'm like, I mean, I'm a bad student, honestly, like I don't ride <laughs> in a dressage saddle all year. And then I go there, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> you well, know? you know, you've practiced a lot of of unintentional piafs and passages and <laughs> I, things like that. That's what I figure with the baby horses. I'm set. <laughs> yeah, you're you know? doing that all day long. Practically, or cartwheels <laughs> part of the dressage. Yeah, test. Like, I'm ready. You'd almost be better off if it was a rodeo. You could stay on the full eight <laughs> seconds. You're... I know my barn manager Susan. She's hilarious. She always says that. She's like, "Are you are you sure you're not a circus rider?" Like <laughs> that would be I'm better for you than ride. dressage. Just put a bull in the in the chute. <laughs> put Emily on top. She's good to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know it's it's the more you know controlled maneuvers that and are you know elusive. What? It only lasts eight seconds. A damn dressage test can take minutes. Oh, I know. I know. I wish. Some of my bronchi ones, the young ones I ride across town, I'm like, I wish it was eight seconds, but it's like 40 minutes, you know? I mean, I get paid by the ride, and I'm like, we're still on. We're still going. (laughs) I wish it was eight seconds. Well, good luck with that. Do you own white breeches? 
I do because okay. you know for the jumping oh, for the grump true. you have yeah. to have white. Yeah, so yeah. I do, but I do not have white gloves, and I have not ridden in a double bridle, and I have not ridden oh. in a dressage. Oh, that's going to be good. Anybody <laughs> doesn't know Emily, now. she's like five foot one, and she has these little teeny weeny hands. So four <laughs> reins is going to be real fun for you. It's yeah, we'll see. I'll post pictures, but you know, wish me luck. Hopefully, it's good. You know, I'm down to the wire here. I'm. I don't know what kind of prep I can do at this stage. So it's now, will you have late. a master's degree when you get done? Yeah. Uh, essentially, yeah. For the yeah. German Federation, you know, I can do whatever I want. Like, uh, you know, if you want to go and show over there and compete and everything, like, you need to have a request from your federation to their federation. There's all these behind the scenes things. For me, I actually have a license. It's like my it printed out, like next to my driver's license right now in my wallet. Like, I can whip it out and I can, you know, set up shop, do whatever I want through the German Federation. So, yeah, you know, comparatively speaking, yes. Are you allowed to drink heavily before the dressage test? That might help, <laughs> I mean, Emily. Over there, probably. I know. I'm really nervous. I mean, it's really... Uh, I'm not prepared, I'll tell you. I mean, <laughs> you know me. I still have a few days. I'm going to practice. Yeah, I'm, you'll be good. Just, I'm going to read a couple of books. I'm going to do my best. I'll find a dressage horse someplace and hop on. I'll be good. I'm going to try. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm literally like not even in a dressage saddle. I but ride you know a what, though? You do, ha- you do a lot of groundwork with your horses. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like I do, like even for still the not a dressage test. No, I know, I know, but you get to practice, okay? So like they give you your test, like the first day you get there for my dressage. Do you know how long it takes more people to get to fourth level? Oh, I but okay, but I've been like but, you know four years now. But you know, you're and you're starting with a fourth level horse that helps. That's the thing too yeah. is they do provide the horses. They're school horses, quote but unquote. You know what's bad about that is you can't blame the horse because <laughs> <laughs> I know. And like I mean, this is Germany. Like you can fail. Like, it's not like, you know, A for effort and you get a blue ribbon. Like, I mean, yeah, I've no, watched you're out. flunk their tests. Don't come back till next year. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, well, we're going to keep your money. For some of them, uh, <laughs> for in, in between the... No refunds either. <laughs> no, no, exactly. I know. But at least you get your textbooks. You know, you can brush up and try to get smart. But you you do actually yeah, have you don't a, do a that time either. Have you looked at the textbooks courses? since you got home? No, I haven't. No, I didn't think so. No, I know. <laughs> I know. So we'll see. This is why different. we love Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Down to the wire. We're going to do our best. This is why we I love Emily. I got all eights last time, which is the best you can get in Germany. There's no tens. Well, yeah, because that'd be perfect. And There's no perfection. There's no, no. perfect. Mm-hmm. No. Elusive. That's correct. Only the Russians <laughs> and the Americans can accomplish that. Apparently. Exactly. But eights, <laughs> hey, as good as 10 in America. That's right. <laughs> You'll be happy with eights, believe me. I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait for my eights. <laughs> Yeah, we'll look for those. Maybe the halt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I am nervous, though. I'm starting to get nervous, I'll tell you. You have a chance at the halt and the walk. (laughs) Oh, thank God, though. You're right, though, about the horses. I mean, they're they're top. You know, they've done it and everything, so you can kind of ride like a butcher. But but, but, I'm also right when I said having a good horse like that makes your imperfections come out. Stand out, right? Yeah. They really well, stand out when the horse knows what the hell he's doing and you don't. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, let's not I'm not trying it. to make you nervous or anything, Emily. I think it's you fine. are. I think yeah. you're trying. It's fine. You should it's be fine. encouraging me and you'll Emily's be fine. Like, and for those that no don't practice. know and are new listeners, Emily's like my little sister that I never had. <laughs> so we kind of have that relationship. So it's my it's job true. to make her nervous before she leaves. Because, it's true. Yes. No, somebody's got to do it. That's right. You're it. That's it. I got, I took it <laughs> the job. Well, Jennifer is not here right now. She is um, actually helping with a very important interview right now. So she couldn't be here because she's got a celebrity she's on the phone. practically famous herself Yes, now. that's right. But I'll tell you what's coming up in this today's show. We have Aaron from Noel Floyd to give us kind of an Olympic recap of the jumping. 
We have Santiago stopping by from Bomber Bits. Yes, Bomber Bits. Uh, and then Robert stopping by. He's an expert ring builder out of Wellington. Going to talk all about rings and what you should do and don't do and how much you can get for 10 bucks. And more fun in between all of that, too. But first, we're going to get started with, uh, well, what have you been up to for the last month? Oh, my gosh craziness just riding so many horses here yes worse than that i've got horses across town which is awesome you know i I ride i'm a sales rider so i ride for quite a few different barns all over town uh down here in wellington and you know travel go to horse shows and all this but um gearing up i have the oldenburg inspection at the end of september so i right now have um all of my breeding horses at the show jumping training farm, which is a nightmare. It's like Lion Country Safari, Jurassic Park. I don't know what you want to call it. It's outrageous. They I have, have my breeding stallion. Yeah, it's crazy. And you know, all of his babies are so big. And so then I've got mares uh, in full, have dropped. I fold one a few weeks ago. Yeah, Halo, very cute. You saw him. He's so cute. He I'm so cute. excited. He's fresh. He bites, he kicks and strikes out. He's real naughty, but he kind of takes after his dad a little bit, but whatever. He's going to jump. You know that's what? For sure. If you had had children, that's what I would have pictured them being like. <laughs> They're a nightmare. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Naughty. They're those bad kids on the bus. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they are. Maybe the one I you'd mean, be getting calls from the principal every day. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. He's like that, too. I mean, he's like a menace. Everybody's like, these babies are so fresh. I'm like, I know, but they can jump. And just remember that. I mean, I had the one filly almost jump out of the stall. You know, I mean, the, the thing is like up the door is like up to my collarbone. I mean... What is that? Four foot 11. <laughs> it's tall. <laughs> I mean, he almost jumped right. She almost jumped right out. But okay, so I have the inspection at the end of September. So I have everybody here. So um, honestly, counting the babies, um, then I've got one horse arriving from Colorado for sale. I have 18 horses at my home farm. Wow. And it's me and my barn manager. I wake up, I feed at 5 a.m., I do stalls, and then I go ride across town for like five different farms. And then I come back and I work horses. I take a nap, honestly. I take a nap in the afternoon, about two hours. And if I don't get the nap, like, I can't continue. Um, And then I ride at my place and work horses, honestly, until like 8.30 at night. It's like crazy. I, I was with her for a couple of days, and I can vouch for the fact that that's what she does. <laughs> she insanity. wore me out, and all I was doing is following her. <laughs> I know. And you didn't even come for the whole day. No, I you didn't. didn't I couldn't take it. That was just like too much horse riding for me. So I it was is. out. And they yell at me, you know, when I go and ride for other people because I'm never doing it right, of course. So there's that added. It's kind of like, oh, got to get it better. Got to get it better. And then when I'm at home at my place, you know, it's like, I mean, it is. It's a it's lot crazy. of work at your place, too. It is a lot of work. Susan yeah. is a saint. All right, let's get to our first guest. We have Erin coming up. She is, of course, from Noelle Floyd. And we're going to be talking to her about the Olympics and her experiences there, especially as it regards to show jumping. Erin Gilmore. Oh my God, I'm dying. I haven't heard the theme song yet. That's ridiculous. And then you and then you were there, Glenn. Yeah. Where? <laughs> okay, so Erin Gilmore, she should have a theme song from noelfloyd.com. Welcome to the show, Erin. Thank you. My very first theme song. I feel honored. <laughs> You've been it's on so, so much, fun. I figured you should have your own theme song. 
At I first, really, I really like, appreciate it. What is happening? Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. You should have one. I mean, you are on enough for sure, but why don't I have one? <laughs> no, now we're getting, you know, competitive. But, okay. So Aaron, you obviously have only just come back. You were in Rio, right? That's right. I was in Rio for just over two weeks, actually. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah, because we spoke to you, I think, right before you were leaving. So you got to watch all the Olympic action. Yep. Um, I I was there for all of it, beginning to end, first day of eventing dressage to last day of show jumping. Oh, my gosh. I'm so jealous. That's fun. That's so cool that you got to see it firsthand, uh, you know, jog through through the medals. Yeah, it was the equestrian competition was super exciting and it was definitely worth the trip to go down there. Uh, I think it was, pre- yeah, I mean, it was definitely wild, the the way this all, all unfolded for show jumping, for sure. I mean, and then having only three team members, I mean, wow. Yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> how, so you got to kind of be there behind the scenes. Give us a little rundown, kind of like, how, how did this unfold? What was the, what, how, how was it down there for everybody I, watching? You know, I, I mean, it's got to be very emotional. It, yeah, it was, and, and I and I was covering the dressage and eventing, which I usually, those are not my regular sports, so I got to experience both of those disciplines, which was also equally fantastic. Yeah, it's difficult to know where to start. I was there for all of the equestrian competition. That meant not only show jumping, but dressage and eventing, which I don't normally cover, but it was great to experience those two disciplines in person. I mean, so much happened every single day, both at the competition and outside of the competition it's it's hard to it's hard to pin down one moment that was especially emotional or or standout they all really were yeah I hate to uh get off the show jumping but the dressage was very I mean all the articles that I read uh like that was incredible there were there was it was so much it was very uh it, it was it was wild I think for everybody all the disciplines yeah, and dressage, okay, I'm not a dressage um, expert or Grand Prix rider, and, but what I really appreciated about dressage was the stories around every rider, and, uh, of course, Charlotte Dujardin goes without saying. That was um, a legend to watch in person and uh, really just a great opportunity. And Team USA was fantastic. They had the best team bonding of any team, any discipline I've seen in a really long time. They were just all so close knit. It was really great to see. Yeah, that's, that's got to be really amazing to be able to watch the different disciplines like that, you know, having them all captive, uh, for one event. I, I would yes, love to go very and watch captive. captive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that's what you're doing. You're like there, you know, <laughs> you're watching the whole thing. So tell, tell us about the show jumping. I mean, we had, I mean, from the French team to the U S team, I mean, there were ups and downs and like, it was really wild. I mean, give us the rundown kind of how it was there, you know, uh, watching, you know, you were there for the jog and then going through, uh, day by day. I mean, to walk us through it a little bit. Uh, well, the show jumping was fun. It, comparison, no knocks against dressage or eventing. Show jumping was just so exciting. I mean, it was full in there. They made a big stadium. They built thousands of seats, and the stands were never full until show jumping. So that was the first thing, and that had a huge effect on the competition. Um, I mean, Brazil, who who had a great team of four riders, started out clear on the first day, and they were in the lead on the first day. I mean, it really looked like they were going to 
get a medal and I was pulling for them. Of course, then the, the drama began and uh, there was drama that included everything from four horses eliminated in the same show for um, FEI blood rule disqualification to a man who came into the stadium and started screaming during a Spanish riders round. Both of these things I've never seen ever in my career. And I go to a lot of horse shows in the year. Um, and then just the, the pure riding of it. I mean, rails came down, um, Brazil ended up falling down the standings and, uh, France had just had a disastrous week of a horse getting injured, having to withdraw another horse colicking. Then Penelope Leperveau, she falls off the first day of competition. The French media who were in the media with me were all shaking their heads and smoking and going, France is finished, France is finished. So that was them on the first day. And then you know what happened <laughs> on the team final. So <laughs> it was Oh my great. gosh. I know. I mean, it was really wild. Well, so, you know, I, I'm a, you know, sales rider uh, for part of what I do for a living. Um, and so one of the dealers that I ride for is French. And I mean, it was, and then like, you know, we've got the whole French connection down here in Wellington. And uh, it was, it was so emotional. I mean, it was wild. It, it really was to live live through it. I mean, of course, you know, I'm rooting for the U.S., but it was really unbelievable to to come from so far behind and and with all of the issues that they had with Penelope and everybody. I mean, with the yeah, horses, it was unbelievable. It's, you have to be fair to say that they were never really that far behind after the first day. They were on five faults, and um, that wasn't so far behind the next team that was only on four faults. I mean, just to do what they did with uh, their reserve rider was great. I know these guys now pretty well from being in Europe so much and they're just all great riders, great people. And being in the media, I got to sneak over to where they come, you know, the in-gate and just see all of them lose their minds when they realize they had won and they're all crying and, and hugging Aww. each other. Uh, it was really, that part of my job is really fun because I'm not just in a, in a spectator stand. I'm right there watching them as they, uh, as they find out they've won. <laughs> it was great. It was really great. That's so cool. That's so neat. Yeah, you get a little behind the scenes because they are, they're all, you know, people and programs and horses. And I mean, it, it's, it's an unbelievable yeah. uh, group. I mean, even, I mean, the horse athletes are, are, are unreal. T tell us a little bit, speaking of about, uh, you know, there was so much hype coming in about HH Azor for the, um, and we spoke as well, uh, last episode uh, with McLean coming in for the U.S. Tell us a little bit about the horses that were coming, the, what you saw, you know, for the U.S. team coming in to Rio. Well, McLean in particular, she was definitely worth the hype, and uh, she was in really top form for the games, and it just shows that you can lose it all with one rail, which is literally what happened to McLean on the final day. Um, if he hadn't had one rail coming out of the triple, he would have made it into the jump off, and he likely would have jumped off and gotten a medal. So uh, it's really heartbreaking for him to miss out on it and be so far away, but so close. Um, that is show jumping, as they say. Big star who won individual gold wasn't clear uh, every day, but he was in the top 35 and he made it into the, the individual final where they all come back on a clean slate so anyone can win. So he was the best horse on that day uh, to win individual gold. But there were so many stories behind him that didn't place in the medals. And I can tell you, I have never seen so many show jumpers in tears, sad tears, okay, coming out <laughs> of that ring. They're usually stone-faced, but there are a couple of them, really big guys, who could not hold back their tears for various reasons. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it is very emotional and all the work behind the scenes. I mean, what it takes to get to that level. I mean, myself as a rider and a trainer, you know, and I, I do young horses as well. It's like, wow. And even the breeding, you know, you have something two, three years old. My gosh, I mean, Azure is 10. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a lifetime with these horses. It's, it's incredible, you know, what everybody has into it. Now, I thought uh, what was interesting, what do you? what is sort of the backstory a little bit on um, Kent Farrington? Now, this was his first Olympic Games, an incredibly accomplished rider for the U.S. Uh, with a super string. Um, I thought he did quite well. How? W- what was your sort of take on that? Yep, he did amazing. He, he uh, is the top-placing American in uh, fifth place, I believe. Kent is one of the most driven people I've ever seen in my life, one of the more focused ones. So for him, I knew if it wasn't double gold, he would be kicking himself for the next four years in a lot of ways. Um, He won a a team silver, which is an incredible accomplishment along with the USA. And on the last day, his horse, who had jumped with no jumping faults all week, made it into the jump off of the individual final, uh, just got a little tired and had two down. So uh, he did not leave Rio happy, but he must have left Rio a bit satisfied. I think he left with an even bigger drive because this past weekend he won two five-star classes in Switzerland. He did not give himself a break. He had no vacation, no rest. <laughs> Just has to go and keep showing. And he went and met another horse and won two huge classes. So, oh my gosh. That's how he is that's though. He is. I know. I mean, like, and then, you know, he's never participated in Olympics before, but like, he's, you know, the most winningest rider like ever. I mean, I don't know what his, he's his very, stats are, but he's top. Yeah, he's very, very much. He's very serious. I saw him before the game started in in Rio, and and kind of gave him a little elbow, like, "Are you? So, are you excited? Are you gonna? Are you? Are you having fun?" Because I couldn't tell. He's so focused. <laughs> I just couldn't tell. So I know, but, <laughs> but you know, it's a great it. competitor. I was reading one article, and he was talking about. Um, that uh, his little quote was, "If somebody you know walked out of parade while he was on course, he probably would not have noticed." It's about right. Well, he was referring to gunfire on the final day, which brings me to the outside of the venue, if you want to hear about that. <laughs> yes, we do. Fill us in. Because <laughs> that, uh, that, was, that was an experience in itself. I mean, there's a fair bit of culture shock, uh, levels of poverty surrounding the military base where the games, the equestrian games were held um, that I've never seen before, and just a massive disparity in that country and the people who live there year round and the situations they're dealing with and this incredibly elite environment of top athletes coming for the Olympics. Um, the military, they were lovely and every person there was lovely. The organization was incredible. The volunteers were great. And I walked through about, I don't know, a dozen armed guards on my way to work at the venue every day. So that was, a uh, a really interesting experience. Um, they did their job, and you've probably heard about the, the bullets falling into the media center on the first day of the Olympics. And that was yeah, I did. Yeah, but That's it was so going slow. Dramatic to write about. It was it was <laughs> going happened. slow. It would have just yeah. given you a headache. It was going slow. I wrote somewhere it wasn't so much being shot from a gun as it fell from the sky. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, you gosh. know that just goes to show um, you what when you shoot up, it does come down. At some point, yeah, that bullet's right? coming down. Yep. Yeah, that's that said, at a horse show, we didn't really want to be writing about bullets or live fire exercises <laughs> from the military and how they affected the dressage horses. That was oh a real thing I reported on several times. Um, 
But, but you know what? I, I, making feel safer than a, a lot of soldiers with a lot of big guns. For all of the crap the media was putting out, the mainstream media was putting out about how this was going to be a disaster, everything was going to fall apart, people were going to die, it went off pretty well. It did. Yeah, it did. And that's credit to the people in Brazil who, who made it happen and pulled it together. And they, they said that they, it came true. I think I told you guys that every person who's Brazilian in these months leading up to these games who I asked, you know, are they even going to be able to do this thing? The Brazilians' answer to a one was, oh, yeah, we just leave it to the last minute and then we get it done. Don't worry. That was very <laughs> true. It was all done. It was all finished. Okay, it was last minute. But they did They did a great job, a really great job. And it is truly the way they do everything. <laughs> so, I don't know. That might be my motto. I mean, I might be Brazilian. <laughs> yeah, you are Brazilian, <laughs> I mean, Emily. I'm listening. That's me. <laughs> yeah, but I got to okay, tell you this. I live that way. <laughs> I, got, of all, I have 20 co-hosts. The one who puts the show notes together at the very last minute's Emily. I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> two minutes before the show starts, Emily's like, I'm getting it done. I'll be fine. <laughs> I know, well, but I'm so busy. You know, I was like showing and stuff and you're texting me like, <laughs> is the show together? I'm like, yeah, it's together. You just don't know what's happening yet. I'll let you know. <laughs> right, it's a, right. No basis, which is, I yeah. know. That's <laughs> all that counts. The scale of, well, are, are you ready for, for millions of people to visit your city? Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll be ready. Don't worry. Okay. That's right after this siesta, we'll be ready. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it really did, though, because there was so much press about, you know, the possibility of, you know, the inevitable disaster of Rio. And- well, they were, you know, I felt like they were thinking about that possibility also, and they were very prepared and being escorted down a highway isn't by an armed guard. Isn't really something I want to do again, but I'm glad that they were there so that all I have to talk about is an escort and not something else happening. Um, it was pretty tense. Don't get me wrong. It was tense and I didn't feel very safe at times. But um, it, in the end, it, it was fine. It did work out just like they said it would. Just like they said. Um, the, mm-hmm. the stands were packed. I mean, like, you know, you were saying for the show jumping. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think about sort of like, you know, okay, for our spectators, sort of audience, you know, we're always trying to build the sport, you know, to, to be welcome to people coming and seeing and, and learning. Um, do you think, were those people kind of like local or people flying in? I know there was a lot of articles about owners not coming and, and sort of some of the team not, yeah. uh, the team behind the horses not coming. Yeah, well, the the team people were limited just because it was the Olympics. And I know I can tell you that um, in particular, the owner of Eric Lamaze's horse wasn't planning on coming at all because of safety concerns. And by the time the show jumping started and dressage and it had happened, she decided she couldn't miss it. And she did come and she was in the spectator stands. And I, every time I saw her, she looked like she was having a great time. Um, not a lot of people flew there to watch and and have a vacation the stands were full of fantastic locals who made an amazing atmosphere for brazilian riders um and they showed up every day by the time show jumping happened it was really hot it was in the 80s 90s and uh they they filled that place it was really really great um dressage okay it wasn't full eventing it definitely wasn't very full but uh brazilians know what show jumping is and they are big fans i can tell you that (laughs) well they've had a few heroes along the way so you know they've had people to root for yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us again we always enjoy when you stop by and now that you have a theme song you're gonna have to stop by more often (laughs) oh my gosh i know (laughs) anytime you guys anytime (laughs) where are you off to next where can we look forward to hearing from you next 
Um, well, my vacation is on hold. This weekend, I'm going to the Hampton Classic to cover that oh, show. In that New poor York. place. You're going to be slumming it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slumming it. Well, you know, I've spent the last three months in Europe, so I'll have to deal with it somehow. Yeah. And uh, after that, I do get a break, and I'm going to attempt to live a normal life and take a real vacation without a horse show. So oh, wow. that will be you know, very welcome. It's funny when Jennifer and I had the, I don't know how you guys are, but when we had the big farm with 25 horses and people everywhere and just horses all, all 24 hours a day, when we took vacations, we just didn't even want to see a horse. If there was like a horse in the field, we wouldn't look because it was right. like, I was just like, oh, I just want to be away from horses. Now, do you guys go do horsey things on vacation or are you like we were and just no horses? No, I'd like to see a, a beach and that's it. Yeah, there week. you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. <laughs> Emily's going. And no internet, no computer. <laughs> Emily's going. What's a vacation? <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, oh, I can't answer that question. Yeah, I can't answer that question. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. And hey, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're going next week, and we're going to Colorado. And I booked a cabin in the mountains without cell phone or mm-hmm. or internet. You guys are fancy. Oh, that that's great. the way to go. Yeah. So there you go. I'm going that route. Uh, <laughs> that's fire me. <laughs> Yeah, you have to. Just get rid of the Wi-Fi and everything. My that's gosh. Right. Yep, that's the only way you can decompress anymore. Aaron, True. thank you. Noelfloyd.com. Check it out. That's right. Check Aaron's the yes, superstar. I was also writing for uh, Practical Horseman and Dressage today when I was in the oh. so my coverage will come out there shortly. Great. Yeah. Check it out. Welcome back. Talk to Check you soon, Aaron. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Walsh Products has been making top quality halters, leads, training equipment, and leg protection since 1914. Craftsmanship, longevity, and ease of use are just a few of the reasons that professionals use Walsh every day, including jumpers Laura Kraut, Kent Farrington, and gold medalist Nick Skelton. Nick said, I like all the Walsh products, especially the sheepskin girths because they are soft on the horse and easy to wash. The Walsh sheepskin girth is made using two-ply English elastic, extra heavy-duty machine-washable sheepskin, and offers improved ventilation and extra padding. Plus, it's only $79.99. Kent Farrington's favorite product is the Walsh British Halter. This halter is triple-stitched with a straight chin and solid brass fittings. This versatile horse halter comes in different leather options, as well as the classic closed throat or snap throat. You can find it today at walshproducts.com for only $114.99. You can find these products as well as the complete line at walshproducts.com today. That's walshproducts.com. Okay, welcome to the show, Santiago from Bomber Bits. Glad that you could make it. Thank you, Emily, for having me, and hopefully I'll be able to help you out with some questions about bits and educate a little bit. Uh, Yes, well, I'm sure that we'll have a lot of questions, and, uh, you know, I've been into the store, (laughs) and I've seen all the bits. Anybody that has any questions, I'm sure you have an answer, because it's outrageous how many bits you all have, and you're a fairly new company. Give us a little background on your company. Well, uh, we are actually based here in Wellington. Uh, we started working with Bombers, uh, which is from South Africa, uh, five years ago. And the truth is, uh, all the bits are handmade. So really, the reason we have so many is because anything can be made. Um, you know, and over the years, what has happened is as people came into the store, 
you know, they would request for certain cheek pieces and mouthpieces, and maybe we wouldn't have. Uh, so we, we slowly started incorporating and developing the lines. So today, I mean, I think between all the cheek pieces and mouthpieces, we have uh, maybe combinations of thousands of bits that can, can be made. Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, like, I, I'm a fan. I've had bomber bits for quite a few years. I think you all were selling in Taqueria and some of the other places down here in Wellington. Yep. And the mouthpieces yep. were very interesting. You know, I have my own horses and then I ride, you know, I'm a sales rider. So I ride for a lot of dealing barns. And, um, you know, it's important. You know, you've got to find the right the right uh, mouthpiece, you know, shank, whatever it is that you need. And uh, I was, I mean, there's already so much uh, available for the different sort of kinds of bits, what you need to do. I was shocked when I came into the store, which is down there on Pearson. It's close to Dover. Uh, okay, you can shop online and all of this, but I mean, just like the size of the store, like all bits, like I walked in, I mean, it's it's probably half the size of Dover. You know, I mean, it's huge yeah. and every wall is covered in bits. I couldn't believe it. So, we, you know, the idea was, you know, to literally have options for everyone. Um, you know, the truth is, is there's a lot of cheek pieces and mouthpieces. And, you know, the, the idea is, uh, you know, we have things for tongue relief, uh, bits, you know, with uh, tongue pressure. And depending on each uh, mouthpiece, you can actually get a different result. Uh, and the same goes with the cheek pieces. And depending on the discipline, you have certain disciplines that like, you know, maybe more loose rings uh, or gags. And, you know, so we try to have the variety, you know, to be able to solve and at least, you know, get the, the right bit for the person. Yeah. So you so, guys, um, is it correct that you actually started uh, with polo? We did. Yeah. So we started with polo. Uh, believe it or not, when we started with polo, it was uh, maybe, you know, traditional in polo, there was like five or six uh, bits that people were mostly using. It was just a gag and a pelum. Uh, today we branched out. I think we have 144 unique models, uh, but we've taken it even further and we branched out into, you know, the show jumping market, uh, the hunters as well. Uh, and now we're going to be incorporating for 2017 uh, dressage. We have quite a bit of bits that are under FEI now, so we're definitely going to be pushing for that. Uh, wow. But, you know, the unique thing, you know, it's also, you know, the way that the bits are, are made. Uh, you know, when you walk in and you're able to see them, I mean, everything, you know, there, there's a, a purpose for the mouthpiece, you know, how it was designed, you know, the shape of it, you know, the curvature, uh, so it fits more comfortably in the horse's mouth. And the whole idea behind the bits is always about finding, you know, happy medium between comfort and, you know, enough leverage, you know, for the control. Yeah, the control, totally. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the thing. I have... Um for well, I think uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but when I stopped in with Mary, one of the one of the clients that I ride for, um, we have super top top fancy horses, but the, uh, some of them yep. are young, a little bit sensitive, but very very strong, you know. And so I I had not had somebody else really talk me through the tongue pressure situation before. People are very you know rigid on you need a snaffle or the pelum is a single joint or whatever. Um, can you talk us through a little bit what this tongue pressure relief, because all of those horses over there, I'll tell you, I've probably got six horses right now that all go in the um, tongue, <laughs> the tongue breath. And like I tell people, you know, if they're, if they're rooting or something, I'm like, you need the bit that relieves tongue pressure. But yeah, no, walk well, us through that a little I bit. mean, we find, you know, over the, the last couple of years, you know, from making suggestions and, and bidding, you know, we end up finding out, I mean, first of all, people are always, you know, when they don't have the control, they think that the solution is to go with more bit. So they try to incorporate things with a twist uh, or maybe with a gag with more leverage. 
And the truth is, it's about, you know, finding a happy medium between the mouthpiece and also the cheek piece. Uh, ideally, you know, with, with a lot of the bomber's bits, uh, you'll find, for example, our Happy Tongue or Bomber Blue, which are some of the better sellers. The design of the bit is it's, uh, basically a very wide and shallow port. So sometimes there's a misconception that uh, the port might hit the roof of the mouth, you know, causing the horse to maybe jerk up. The idea is, you know, being wide and shallow, it actually gives a lot of tongue relief without hitting the roof of the mouth. Uh, so we find that usually the best thing is to start with something soft. And if you don't have the right control to then start moving to more pressure points. Uh, but if you continue going to more pressure, you never know exactly, you know, where, where you stand. Uh, so, you know, usually I think it's better to take a step back and start from the basics. Now, <clears throat> you're talking about pressure points and, you know, I, I do, you know, horses professionally and I know all about pressure yep. points, you know, trying to, trying to find the right one. And so you're bringing up a topic there with, uh, the tongue relief, which is a, which is, is a pressure point that people go to. I mean, if they're putting yeah. a ball in the middle of the, of the joint of the snaffle or like people have the rollers or whatever they're doing on the middle. So you're alleviating that pressure point and maybe going into something, another pressure point. You've got the tongue, the bars, the corner of the mouth, you know, yeah, all of so, this. So normally, you know, we find like, for example, if uh, you have a horse with a higher head carriage, um, you know, I, I mean, first of all, before we, you know, we try to make a recommendation we try to find out exactly what, you know, the horse is going in, what issues, um, you know, the, the horse is having, and basically try to build a kind of like a profile to really understand, uh, you know, so that when we move forward to make the right recommendation, we have an idea. Um, so it's, you know, people usually when they come to us, you know, they say, oh, I'm using a, a snaffle bit. Well, you know, there could be different cheek pieces. Uh, there's also, or they're using a pelum but we don't know what's inside the horse's mouth. So, you know, the key is sometimes, you know, finding out exactly what the mouthpiece is that they're using, the cheek piece, what issues they're having, you know, sometimes, you know, providing videos is helpful. And then from there, we will start uh, kind of, you know, making the recommendations. Uh, for us, you know, the thing is the, the theory behind bombers, it's very basic, um, you know, basically we make the assumption that pressure is always gonna equal to resistance. Uh, and resistance will be uh, will basically equal to lack of control. So from that, you know, that's kind of always an assumption behind everything we do. Uh, so we always, you know, want to recommend something that's going to be a little bit softer than what the person is currently using. And sometimes it's it's not just the mouthpiece, but also the cheek piece, because you can go with a softer mouthpiece, but have the right leverage on the cheek piece, and you know, you get the results that you need. Yeah, I have um, a couple of these horses. They're young horses across town that I've been riding uh, for Mary. Um, really top, top quality, but they, and they're strong, but they're sensitive, you know, and, and then the one, yeah. um, you definitely, it, I, that's the one I was talking to you about is that he's not quite sure where to hold his head. He's a baby, you know what I mean? So yeah. there's that element, but he's kind of like up and down and, and behind and then in front and he's not quite sure. And so I had that, I don't know what the mouthpiece is, but the it's a straight bar, like like the one you're talking about with the wide shallow port. Yeah, and, I think uh, in the blue in the blue rubber material. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I and mean, that works amazing. I, I should have mentioned earlier probably, you know, the neat thing about the, you know, the blue behind the bits is uh, I mean, they're made out of a street iron, so the idea of that is that it will oxidize with contact. Um the the street iron basically encourages salivation. 
and it's also a warm and sweet to contact. So it helps with the, the acceptance of the bit. We also have certain rubber bits or leather bits as well. You have certain horses that regardless of stainless steel, street iron, copper, they just dislike metal mouth pieces, specifically with younger horses. Uh, so that's when you would go with like a rubber pelum or a rubber mouthpiece. Uh, and we have, we actually uh, developed a mouthpiece that's called the Bomber Blue. Uh, the idea of that is it does have that shallow port, but the material itself is a nylon composite that is hollow with a steel core. So it's very light. So if you're not putting too much contact on the reins, it's kind of just floating in the mouth. And then when you need it, you have, you know, the response of the bit. Uh, and the idea is also that, you know, the, the actual material itself, you know, it encourages salivation too. And it's also a warm and sweet. Uh, so it helps with acceptance of the bit. Uh, that is also key, you know, sometimes in, in the response you end up getting. Yeah, I have, I think I have that one in a D, you know, which you can ride in the yeah. hunters, which is awesome. Yeah, and that idea is yeah, you can you can get in the hunters. I mean, I know the hunter market sometimes is a little bit specific. You know, usually they like that nice uh, semi-round classic D. Uh, the good thing is we can pretty much make anything into any cheek piece. Um, you know, so the, there is you know you have the options. Yeah, well, you guys check them out because I mean I use them pretty much in- exclusively on all of my horses, different mouthpieces, everything. I love them, huge fan for quite a few years. And if you are checking online, Tatos is T A T O S. And try one, email, call, it's worth it. Thank you so much, Santiago, for stopping by and giving us the lowdown yeah. on bombers. No problem. Thank you for having me. And yeah, uh, if you have any uh, questions, I mean, let us know. Okay. Okay. See you soon. <laughs> Thank see you. you. Thank you. Well, you're listening to Horses in the Morning. I am here with Emily Thompson, who is not really here. She's. <laughs> make believe here and but she's right uh, now studying dressage of all things and oh gosh you know you're going to come back converted you're going to be a grand prix dressage rider and never jump a jump again oh my gosh they tried they did they tried to hustle me for that the last time i was there they were like you should do dressage i was like there's no way yeah like, no way I I, can you imagine you trying to remember a whole dr- a grand prix dressage test for seven oh, minutes no. worth Oh, they print it out too at school, you know, like I have the test for two weeks and I'm like, this is a nightmare. Like, I can't remember. Like, I mean, you're good with about 10 jumps in a ring, but beyond that, (laughs) exactly. You know me. You're like me. I can't do that either. (laughs) No, exactly. There's no hope. Emily would be like in the fourth uh, transition going, was that a canter or a walk? (laughs) Wait, what's happening? What A, X, what uh, C? I don't remember which direction. It's true. And then I get derailed. I'm like, my horse is so pretty. That's right. You know? (laughs) And then I switch channels. Look how his feet are moving. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Your ADD kicks in. I well, do exactly, and lunch. I do that I on the jumping course. Later. I have to tell myself, Where "Don't." Where am I going to have lunch? What am I going to eat? It is. <laughs> I, I call it the self appreciation moment on my show jumping course. I'm like, I tell myself when I go in, "Do not self appreciate because you'll jump." I'll jump. My horse will jump like a freaking rock star. You know, like out of the triple combination. I'm like, yeah. Oh my god! How oh many crap! Stars? I didn't make the turn. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not necessarily self-appreciation, but like a horse appreciation moment, and then I'm lost. <laughs> I need an agent. I need someone to stand at the ring. Yeah, and the can you call? Is it like dressage where you can have a caller to call the <laughs> I, I do. That's what I need, exactly. I need a caller. Left totally. to three yes. strides to uh, ten. Strides, the skinny wall. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I'll jump that. I'll be like, yeah, my horse feels great. Good. Oh, my God, am I turning left or right? <laughs> So no self or horse appreciation moments allowed.
ADD takes no, over. I no idea what I was just talking about. Uh, <laughs> I, so so uh, tomorrow... Uh, Jamie is here. This uh, tomorrow will be our last live show to, for, before vacation because we're also leaving, and so that's our last live show. But we all we do have shows scheduled for the whole rest of the time that we're on vacation. We'll be back live again on the eighteenth. Uh, but we do. We, Jamie and their gang will all be here tomorrow for our last live show, so you can look forward to that. And then we will just put the shows out every day on your feed, on your podcast feed, where however you listen, you'll have them every day at nine o'clock. Uh, we. Spent the last couple of weeks getting them recorded and done for you. So there's a lot of new content, maybe a couple of best of, but mostly new content. And that includes all the shows across the network. So we hope you enjoy what we have planned for you while we're enjoying the mountains of Colorado and Emily is enjoying dressage. Yes. <laughs> the torture of dressage. And now it's time for Robert. Let's talk about building rings. Yay. Okay, we have our next guest, Robert from Ringmasters. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, how you doing? Thank you. Yay, I'm so glad you could make it. We've been trying to make this date a couple times. Uh, Robert is one of my favorite people because he has fixed my ring here in Wellington in the rainy season <laughs> with all of the, the grass and the washout. So thank you for that. And you have a business here building and I mean, from scratch rings, right? I mean, like grassy area into ring into show jumping arena, dressage, t t give us a little background. What, what is it all that you do? Well, absolutely. We build arenas and maintain them, you know, and, uh, you know, just general help on the farm, whatever you need, tractor service and, uh, stuff like that. But yeah, from the ground up, you know, it's just usually a pasture and, rip out the grass. I mean, sometimes, unfortunately, it's the most beautiful grass, but it's got to come out. So, <laughs> oh, well. I know it's hard to grow grass down here and then it grows in the arena and you're like, it's real grass, but now we have to, oh, yeah, it well, it's the very best material and the grass just loves it. You know what I mean? That's what it is. But, uh, you know, one of my customers right now I'm building an arena for, and unfortunately the new year's last year, she put in a uh, $30,000 worth of sod and, uh, now here we go in August. I had to rip it all out and haul it away to this to this buyer. And uh, really, you know, it, it's just what it is. Yeah, it's Florida. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I'm about to do that in the paddocks there. You know, my place. I'm trying to build up the paddocks and put seed down and everything. But I'd always, it's always remarkable to me that I here I want to grow grass in the paddocks, and you know spending money slaving away trying to grow grass or like behind the round pen i mean you know my my place and then i do nothing except ride and drag the arena and i grow grass there like a champion what is the deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know sometimes whenever you mow though if, if the mower is uh discharging the grass clippings out into your arena i mean it's going to start growing quick that way too that's one thing that uh will really make grass grow quick in your arena is if the landscapers are discharging the uh grass clippings even by accident you know and the weed whacker goes along if they're not getting those grass clippings off your arena or even putting them on there at all you know what i mean they need to be discharged in the opposite direction uh that really helps with maintenance you know you'll really cut down on maintenance if uh, that's one simple thing you do wow yeah you know what I, we probably have that because we have all that grass around but now what about, so, so, okay, like somebody buys, I mean, a property, they're trying to build a little barn, uh, they want to put put up an arena, like what do they, 
from the start, you know, you're looking at your property, where do you decide to, is, is there an opt, you know, an optimum place to put the arena or, you know, you kind of build it and then deal with it. Like walk us through what's, what somebody would, would need appropriate steps to, to build something proper. Absolutely. Well, first thing you want to do is, you know, check with local ordinances and make sure, you know, what elevation and where you can put it and what they say first, you know, your local town or uh, village, whatever it be. And uh, every county is different, but it's best to put it lower than your barn. And uh, it, it, you're absolutely right. You should plan a good spot on the property where you don't have to fill as much. It's not going to be flooded and you don't have to clear that much. You don't really want to do a bunch of clearing. And, you know, but if you do, you do. But uh, you should look into that first. And, you know, you can usually tell, but uh, you, you need to have... Uh, Four samples taken to make sure that you're not putting your arena on top of a muck field and stuff like that. And uh, usually it's really easy. They're nice cut and dry, you know, lots. But, uh, you know, those are things to look for. And, so what do you uh, do when you, you, okay, so you find your spot. Uh, I'm ignorant. Why is it lower than the barn? Well, because you don't want your water to flow into your barn. You always want your barn to be, you know, higher uh, than your arena. Yeah. Okay. You I'm, know what? I'm I was oriented. I was amazed too uh, when we got our big farm. We had an arena put in, and it looked like a flat spot to me. But it took those bulldozers like four days to level that out. And really? you know, it looked flat when you look at it, but it ain't really flat. It was just amazing at, at how much dirt you do have to move, uh, even though it might look flat. Oh yeah, there's so much dirt that has to be displaced usually because it's usually you know brown, dirty dirt. And uh, just got grass clippings in it and stuff like that. Brown, dirty dirt? What's brown? Okay, that's a new one for me. (laughs) What what is brown, dirty dirt? (laughs) Regular dirt. It's it's like mud and stuff. Okay. Yeah. It's not the perfect white material that we use from the pit, you know? Right. We always get the nice green material. So now, now if I have $10, I can get a ring belt? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, realistically... What you want to know is that uh, usually your, your, your fabric that most people put into an arena, no matter what brand it is, there's several brands out there that put the, uh, you know, the fabric in the arena, and uh, there's several brands that make it, and uh, it's about a dollar per square foot, and that depends on how big your arena is. That's how much the fabric is. But then you got to look in the materials and stuff like that, and, and usually you're looking at 2 to $3 a square foot to have an arena built, and... Uh, that's that's reality. That's without a fence. You know, if you want to put a fence in, and uh, what do you recommend, do like spend- for like outside? Okay, like okay, you know, like we have that wonderful indoor that uh, you know uh, ESP the WEF show is going on right now across at Global under the arena. That's gorgeous footing, you know, with the synthetic and everything. But you know, that's a cover that you can regulate that. With, with the water, what do you recommend, like, for out for an outdoor in the elements, you know, what should should somebody build? Should they put that synthetic, or, like, what do you think? You know, right now, we're doing a lot of arenas that were just number one still, and it's uh, really nice, perfect uh, dirt. It's like a silica sand, and uh, you put that in about six inches, and water goes straight through it. You can mix GGT or any of the other fabrics into it. Uh, with the rubber, anything you want with it. And uh, concrete screenings, there's a real good concrete screenings here locally in Palm Beach County. You know, most people can get it across the country through, uh, you know, their local truckers and stuff. 
But, uh, you know, we just happen to have really good uh, number one screened uh, material here. And, so uh, Silica, I mean, that's top. Silica is what people are using for the sand. But then what about like that coating? Are people still doing that? There was like the petroleum or whatever they were putting on it. So it was dust free. What, what about that? There's some wax and stuff like that. There, are, There is other products that definitely hold uh, the water in and help with that. But, uh, you know, I don't use them. I just find it's best just if you have good irrigation and, uh, you know, good material. You're not going to have any problems like that. It, I, there's yeah. the key. Yeah. Irrigation and, we, you know, we've always had problems. Arena's always developed these spots that puddle and things like that. And, and it, that is the hardest battle with an arena is irrigation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, not too much and not too little. And, uh, you know, there there are arenas that are kind of ancient history now, you know, like the uh, the lime-based arenas that we found out that they just hold water. They do not percolate. And uh, they make holes. When you go around a certain spot year after year, it wears out a certain spot. And the best thing to do with that is to pull the dirt back and put down a concrete screening base. And that, you don't have to worry about the line no more. you got concrete screening. How far do you have but, to go uh, back to do that? Down, rather. Well, what you should do is pull, the, pull your uh, base, your, pull your footing back as much as possible in that area and uh, dig it out about four to six inches and put some concrete screens in it. It is a process, you know, but if you want to fix your base and that ever happens like that, those holes that you speak of, you know, that's definitely what you want to do, what you got to do. So, Yeah, I noticed like, uh, because, you know, it's kind of what I do. I drive all around town and everywhere, whatever, riding for people. I'm in so many different arenas and uh People are really, there is the whole synthetic craze that went on for, you know, the last five, you know, eight years, whatever, that people all wanted that kind of footing. But I notice more and more people are kind of like going back to that basic, just like simple sand, right. get a good base, you know, like it, it kind of is best. I mean, it's hard to, to manage all that synthetic. I know that it's super to jump on or in an indoor or whatever, like you get a little bit, you probably get, you know, five, six inches more out of your jump when you're jumping on that synthetic, but people are not training on it anymore. Like you're seeing people just buy sand. You know, what, one thing I want to mention is that there's also the, uh, the French drain rock based arenas where you put down a, a layer of rock and then the fabric and the fabric percolates and holds you know, the sand from going into the rock and everything. And uh, a lot of people are doing that. And some people have it where it circulates water back into the sand and everything else. And, uh, you know, no matter what, those holes still come up where you go around in that same spot. And then you got to fix the fabric and, and dig up the rock. And uh, they're a very expensive arena. And, and they're really expensive to maintain and upkeep. And, uh, you know, it's just... They don't last that long because eventually the sand gets into the rock no matter what. So, but, uh, there's also that, but the number one arena where it's just solid number one, you don't have to worry about fixing your base. If you lose your footing, which through natural processes of wind and rain, you always lose your footing, you know, it'll always blow away with the wind or the, you know, the rain will wash it away. So every couple of years, it is good to have some fresh, you know, footing material brought in. Like we did to your arena, we brought in some number right. one, and some fresh concrete, real nice, you know. And uh, it, it still happens no matter what. You're going to lose some footing, and uh, you know, I just think that's the the best way for most people to go. 
So if people want to contact you for, you know, uh, sort of learning about what they can do with their arena or if they're in uh, whatever driving distance, I'm sure you don't go far. But if you're down here in Wellington, um, how, how far do you travel? Actually, no, we should you know, if, you, if you're in Palm Beach County, I'll help you out. You know what I mean? If you need any uh, arena maintenance or anything else on your farm, okay. you let me know. Uh, All right. So if you're here, ask because Robert is super. I've had my arena done. He lo- It looks amazing and it was not in great, great shape. We were definitely struggling, needed more, more dirt and uh, sand, everything. Um, but how can people contact you? Yeah, you know, the best way to get a hold of me is to call me on my cell and uh, that's 407. 407- Super. Well, if you need something, arena advice or help or building, call Robert Rangmasters. It's really an amazing, amazing service. And uh, I have to say very fast, I was surprised how quickly my arena turned around. So thank you. Well, we're going to wrap up the show today because Emily has to pack. Uh, (laughs) She has to go pack her white breeches and her white shirts and her white gloves. Uh, I have a, you know, I, I should, I should be living up to, um, you know, Aaron Gilmore's standards. I should be getting the, uh, the vacuum bags, but I haven't, I have to admit, I haven't, I'm not as fancy. How are you going to pack all your boots and crap? I know. Well, to be honest, everything is manufactured over there in Europe. So it's dirt cheap to go shopping. Is that what you're going to do? What I do (laughs) is I go with an empty suitcase (laughs) and I go shopping. So, I mean... You know, right now I don't have any, you know, I have whites. I'll bring my whites. I don't have any white gloves. I mean, like, you know, I make my own show clothes and jackets. So, like, I'll bring my own brand. But as far as, like, boots and everything like this, like, I'm literally, you know, hopefully the tax store is open. I've only got a day and a half before school starts. But I'm going to go shopping. Okay, good. Well, you have fun over there, and we'll talk to you next month. We'll get a complete report, and we want to see pictures of you doing dressage. Solid eights. Eights across the board. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can, uh, of course, you can find all of uh, Emily's past episodes here at uh, horsesinthemorning.com. Just search for Emily Thompson or search for jumping, and they're going to pop up. And we've been doing this for years now. Oh, I know. It's wild, right? And of course, we want to thank our terrific sponsor, Walsh. Walsh has been uh, a great supporter of The Jumping Show, and we really appreciate them. And you can find all of the other shows on the Horse Radio Network on our app. Just search for it in iTunes. You can find it. You can also find our Horse Radio Network app. Just go to the App Store, iOS, or Android and search for Horse Radio Network. That's it, Emily. We'll see you next month. Have fun. Yay. See you next month. Bye. Bye.